0: for the classic television series, Route 66, Philip Young, the Hemingway scholar who motivated me to go to graduate school at Penn State, and Philip Klass, the Penn State professor who taught me the basics of writing and who, as William Tenn, was a golden age science fiction author. While I was at Penn State, my mother made the eight-hour drive from Canada to visit me. On a humid August afternoon, we sat in my tiny kitchen and over a couple of beers, she reminisced about her youth, something she seldom did. She talked about how she had met my father at a party, and how she often rode on a trolley to a town called Simcoe to see him when he wasn't on duty at the airbase there. At one point, she stunned me by saying, "'That reminds me of something George wrote to me after he was shot down.' I couldn't believe that I'd heard correctly. After he was shot down?' Oh, yes. The French underground was able to reach him before the German soldiers did. They took him to the Allies, who put him on a boat back to England. George wrote letters to me from a military hospital. But he had an infection, and there weren't enough antibiotics, and he died. It's difficult to describe my shock. The fond daydream of my youth had been partly true. My father had indeed survived, but in the end, he died anyway. For a second time, I mourned. The effect is evident in my work. Readers often comment on my persistent theme of fathers and sons. For example, First Blood can be read as a parable about an authoritative father, the policeman, and a rebellious son, Rambo. Last Reveille has a similar pairing. The Brotherhood of the Rose and the Fraternity of the Stone both have evil stepfathers and furious stepsons. In The Brotherhood of the Rose, the stepsons even match my experience of having been in an orphanage but none of those books taps as deeply into me as Blood Oath does. You need to understand, the main character, Peter Houston, says, I never knew my father. He was killed about the same time I was born. My mother glorified him. I saw the fathers my friends had, and I wished with all my heart that one of those fathers was mine. I began to have a fantasy. What if my father did not, in fact, die? That possibility is the basis for this novel. Almost thirty years later, I recall the intensity with which I wrote it. But as a far more seasoned author, I'm amazed by how much emotion I still managed to repress. The sentences feel constricted. So does the plot, its brevity suggesting how guarded I felt as I looked back at my troubled childhood. If fiction writing is a form of self-psychoanalysis, and this early book reveals an author who was not yet ready to confront the traumas of his youth. That would not be the case for my later bigger novel, The Brotherhood of the Rose, to which Blood Oath turned out to be a preparation. The theme of fathers and sons ended in 1987, when my own son, Matthew, died from a rare form of bone cancer, Ewing's sarcoma. Thereafter, several of my books, Desperate Measures and Long Last, for example, dealt with the reverse theme, fathers looking for sons. Nonetheless, my preoccupation with my father persisted. My mother died in 1989, seven years after Blood Oath was published. The cause of death was lung cancer. My mother didn't smoke, but my stepfather did. As my wife and I disposed of her estate, I went through all the documents in her house and her safe deposit box, looking for information about my father. The only items were a half-dozen faded photographs at the bottom of a box of a lot of other photographs. They showed a thin, pleasant-looking young man in a uniform, the details of which are blurry except for his sergeant's stripes. In one, he stands before a portion of an unidentifiable airplane. I couldn't help noting that soon after the photographs were taken, he would be dead, that I, his son looking at those photographs for the first time, was twice as old as he ever had the chance to be. Using hard-to-find mail addresses, I did my best to contact the British military about a Royal Air Force pilot named George Morell who was killed in World War II. It turned out that there wasn't any record of him. That made me wonder if my childhood fantasy was true. He hadn't died. But then the Internet became widely available, and my daughter, Sari, used that liberating research tool to try to learn about her grandfather. In 2006... She discovered that we had made a wrong assumption. Because he was a British pilot, we had taken for granted that he was in the RAF. But the Royal Navy had aviators also, and that's where Ceres Hunt achieved results. George Charles Raymond Morrell.